Welcome to the True Crime Birth Podcast, where we share the injustices and crimes against women throughout history in the most vulnerable setting one can be in, the setting of childbirth. From the 1900s to current times, we will recall these tragic and problematic birth stories, bringing to light the dark history of birth in our society. This podcast comes with a trigger warning and is not suitable for those who may have unresolved birth trauma. This episode is showcasing a modern birth story, the story of a teen pregnancy and the trauma inflicted on those who are mistreated because of their circumstances. This story takes place just 13 years ago. Um, I'm with Emily Griffin, and she's a birth worker from Tombstone, Arizona, and she's here to tell her first birth story, which was a traumatic birth story. Go ahead, Emily. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, Basically, my story just starts with teen pregnancy. So I got pregnant um, right after I turned 17. So it was... (laughs) um, obviously like it wasn't planned I was still like totally a little kid (laughs) like yeah um, you know I'm not ready for that and so that within itself was traumatic I feel like um I also at the time was living with my mom and she was a very heavy drug user um so there was Mm -hmm. also a lot to unpack there um Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to grow up a lot sooner than what right should have um and so yeah that's really where it all starts for me um i knew that i had wanted like a midwife that like for sure was like the one thing i wanted Um, which is crazy at 17 to know you like wanted this natural birth experience yeah like like, i wanted yes and like i I think it's because i also i grew up a lot with animals um and so just growing up and just seeing birth happen through dogs and horses and just knowing like how possible undisturbed birth can be and Mm -hmm. how like we never had vets present. Like there was never a vet delivering a horse. Like, no, like these, these animals did it on their own middle of the night, like quiet. And it was just, it was beautiful. And so um, I've always related really closely to my animals and, you know, really, foster that relationship that I have with them. I enjoy them. And so that was something I definitely wanted to mirror. Um, But yeah, so I was living with my mom. Um, My grandmother was a retired Vietnam flight nurse. And so she's very much by the books, like medicalized. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't know what you're doing midwives don't know what they're doing they're not even trained and i'm just like they have to be trained right like they're working they're still working in hospitals they're still working in birth centers they're still delivering babies like they are educated and my grandmother was like no Mm -hmm. like you need an ob and so Mm -hmm. like reluctantly i was like okay like maybe i do need an ob and so they were just like you know pressuring me and just because i was so young um first time mom like teen pregnancy basically just treated me as if like i didn't know what i was doing and like to some extent i obviously didn't fully comprehend what i'd gotten myself into but most of us don't at any age yeah yeah but there were some like basic life choices that i knew i wanted on my own 
And one of those mm-hmm. was I definitely wanted a midwife. And so, yeah, we booked with um, this OB. And it didn't matter if I liked her. It only mattered if my grandmother liked her because my grandmother was paying for her. And so, right. like, my opinion was completely ignored. Like, nobody asked me, like, oh, how do you feel about, you know, your care provider? Like, what does that feel like for you? Like, nobody asked me that. Like, Emily didn't have a, a choice, you know? And so we moved forward with this OB. And she, gosh, she made it known in one of my prenatal appointments that she was Catholic and that she didn't agree with my circumstances. And I just remember being like, what does that have to do with my like medical care? Like, what does that have to do with my baby's growth? What does that have to do with blood work that I might possibly need? Like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't ask for your opinion. I didn't Mm -hmm. ask. And so that was frustrating and it obviously rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I always Mm -hmm. like left my prenatal appointments feeling discouraged, but also like more confused. Like I had more questions than I did answers. And that's like the opposite of what a prenatal is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, whatever. My grandmother really likes this woman. (laughs) My grandmother must know what's best. She's educated. She's, you know, has, has, I don't know, has some education. Wisdom that that you thought you didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I moved forward through the prenatals. They were all like super shitty (laughs) to be honest. Um, You know, like, I just didn't have a say like I didn't have a say if she wanted to do like exams like I had no say anything okay so then it goes toward the end of my pregnancy and my mom and I were living roughly like 30 40 miles away from our hospital and so my mom being in her drug-induced mindset was like we need to have you induced like what if you don't make it what if you give birth on the side of the road to the hospital what if you give birth at home and it's on accident like just paranoid yep you need to be induced what if the car breaks down or what if i'm not home and i can't drive you and i'm just like oh my god (laughs) like these are all just like it's wild and so yeah at one of my last ob appointments she literally convinced my OB to schedule me for an induction and I was like baby was fine like baby was growing fine everything was fine with me medically like there was no reason for this baby to come sooner other than just my Mm -hmm. mom's preferences and so that was a lot um so yeah she schedules me for this induction and so I'm at like a follow-up appointment I think it was the morning of my like scheduled induction. And so I wake up Mm -hmm. and I'm like having contractions and I had really bad back labor with my first baby. And so like Mm -hmm. I had a ton of Braxton Hicks, like throughout my entire third trimester, my back was like (laughs) literally felt like it was on fire. Like it was terrible. Yeah. And so, but I'm like, no, these contractions, like they're different they like wrapped around you know they wrapped around my back and then more into my abdomen 
And I was like, what if I'm going into labor on my own? Like, how cool would that be? I wouldn't even need an induction. And, and yeah. so like, we obviously like kept my induction appointment because it was like for that day. And so I had to the appointment and the um, OB is like, yeah, like you're showing the signs of, you know, like early, early labor. Let's just go ahead and get you to the hospital. And so um, we did. And so we go over to the hospital and like, I guess part of it was nice because like my room was all set up, like, you know, like it just had all this stuff for like an induction where like, yeah, you don't get that when you're like rushing to the hospital and you're like eight centimeters and you're like, oh my God, I just need a room and right. a bed, you know, like, yeah. Um, so it was nice. Like the conveniency was nice, but I legit did go into active labor on my own. So they didn't have to start like any Pitocin or anything like that. Um, so that was really nice. But okay. So knowing that like I wanted an OB or not that I wanted an OB, but that my grandmother wanted an OB and that's what I got. I just had it in my mind that I was going to do an epidural. Like right. what was the point of trying for an unmedicated birth if I didn't have like my midwife and like my dream birth scenario right and so I was like whatever yeah your birth plan like pretty much went out the window along with your consent for yeah. the whole thing yeah absolutely and so once you know like earlier in the pregnancy and I got in the OB I just had it in my mind that I was going to do an epidural I was like I'm not even going to try I'm not getting what I really truly want and feel like I deserve mm -hmm. so I got the epidural and so she administers the epidural and um the ob I administered it well no 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 we had the anesthesiologist oh, okay. come in but she like ordered it and everything like that and so right right uh, yeah so <laughs> i get my epidural and i'm in labor for like roughly i think in total it was 17 hours so wow. it was a pretty long labor yeah um, probably because of the epidural yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it comes towards like my transition and like i know i'm in transition my epidural has completely worn off like it had like the little clicker where you can like click to <laughs> administer more yeah yeah and that shit was dry there was nothing in it and so like i looked did you tell mom. them yes okay so i looked to my mom and i was like i something's not right like i can feel everything and I'm starting to like panic and I'm starting to cry because I'm like, this is just pain that I was not anticipating on having. So my mom right. like runs out of the room. <laughs> she gets the OB and the OB comes in and was just like, oh, it is dry. And she's like, well, this is what you get. This is birth. And I was just like, oh. wait, what? And I'm like hitting transition. So I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm like breaking out, I'm crying. And so like <laughs> it goes in like past transition and into pushing and I'm bawling and I'm crying and my OB is like in my face yelling at me. And she's like, this is consequence of your actions. And I was just like, oh my God. And then she's like, stop screaming at me. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, yeah, it was the most uncomfortable so she was just screaming happened. at you that yes. this was like a consequence was she coaching yeah. you to push or was it literally just her screaming at you 
Um, it was both. It was both. It was like bear down and push, and then it was like shut your mouth and quit screaming at me. All that energy is going out of your mouth, and it shouldn't be. Yes. And I was mortified. I was mortified because after I had like you know the knowledge that I was going to be having like an OB birth, I just had it in my mind that I was going to have an epidural. I wasn't going to feel anything. I was obviously pretty young. I was like, I don't need to know breathing techniques. Like, I'm going to have an epidural. Everything's going to be great. <laughs> and yeah. everything was not great. And so, yeah, it was insane. Um, what was I, your, who was, with, who was with you in the birth room besides the OB? My mom and my sister. And what were they doing while she was screaming at you? <laughs> my mom just literally had one knee. A nurse had another knee and then my sister was behind me and she was like kind of like by my shoulders by like the corner of my head and mm -hmm. she's just hugging me like big bear hugs like that's all she knew how to do she was like Aww. she didn't want to see anything like she was super like um queasy with like blood and stuff like that and yeah so yeah yeah she had already told me she's like i don't want to see anything and i'm like that's fine like i don't want ego uncomfortable and so she's just like hugging me and just holding on to me and my mom's just like holding on to and everyone's just like nobody's saying anything but it it was all happening so fast and the ob had like the presence in the room like there was like no space for anyone else in there um wow and so yeah it was super super intense but um okay so before i even i guess i should go back a little bit before yeah. it even came time for pushing, um, my OB told me that it's mandatory all of her patients receive an enema. And I'm like, wait, what? Mandatory <laughs> for all patients to receive an enema. Yes. And I was like, what was her reasoning? She's like, why well, don't I be pooped on? And I was like, I no. don't want to you. <laughs> yes. That she's was like, really her reasoning? Yes. She's like, it's it wasn't because of induction. It wasn't because of it helps the baby. It was literally for her own comfort. Yep. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and like, so leading up to this birth, I was already mortified of obviously like pooping, right? <laughs> like nobody wants to like poop during labor or whatever. And it was so much so that, like, towards the end of this pregnancy, I was, like, eating minimal. Because I'm like, what if I go into labor? Like, I don't oh. want to poop everywhere. And so, like, I was already so... There's Yeah, there's so, a stigma about it. So self-conscious. And I was so yeah. self-conscious about it. And so, um, my midwife told... Or not my midwife, the OB told me that. And she was like, no, 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 you have to. And I, like, I tried, like backpedaling my way out of that conversation i was like no 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 like i haven't been eating much I'm, i promise i'm not gonna poop on you like don't even oh worry and she's gosh. like no and so they forced me to get an enema and that was like like when what way did they force you like there is a nurse there and the nurse is like holding the enema and i'm like trying to say everything like no 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 i don't want it i'm okay like everything's gonna be fine i haven't been eating much like don't worry. I'm not going to poop on you. <laughs> like, I don't even know if I knew if I was, you know, <laughs> like not going to poop, but I was like terrified of an enema. And right. they're like, no, you have to. And they're like slowly like lay down. So I had like a nurse like push on my shoulder to lay down. Oh and my then gosh. she's like, 
okay, now you need to roll over onto your side. And I was just like, oh my God. And I'm like trying to say no. And these like nurses are kind of like, you know, doctor's orders, like getting me into the position for an enema. And I was this sounds like sexual this sounds like sexual abuse. It was so traumatic and like Yeah. I don't know. Butt stuff is <laughs> never, never been a thing. And so it was more Especially not when and you're like just, in labor at 17. And just like the thought of it. Just the thought of it is like, I was so fucking sad. <laughs> I was so sad. And I felt like humiliated. I felt like no one listened to me. And I also just felt like, honestly, my OB had it out for me because of my circumstances. Like, to be completely honest, like that's what it felt like. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, it was super traumatizing. <laughs> and so, okay, yeah, we had the epidural, I had baby or whatever. And then immediately postpartum, my OB is questioning me about um, who the father is and like what his role is. And I'm just like, oh my God, like none of this is any of your concern it's nobody's concern other than like my own and my you know right my family and so yeah. i don't know it was terrible it was terrible and from what i understand she's like still in practice um really <laughs> yes i think so so she, i guess like now she does Is this like, in arizona yes yes yeah yikes it is it is terrible. Did you ever did you ever write a review about her or like reach back out or like no anything? Yeah. No, I didn't. And honestly to be completely transparent with you, it wasn't until 2000 and like 21, I think. And I was in a training and I was in my um, peer support specialist training. And it just kind of dawned on me because it was all about like trauma-informed support and education right. and advocacy and all that good stuff. And yeah, it finally took me that many years to realize what I had experienced was a traumatic birth experience. Yeah. Up until then, I think I had suppressed the entire experience because for me, at the end of it, I got this beautiful beautiful baby that was healthy mm -hmm. and I was alive mm -hmm. and healthy. My standards were obviously really low for my OB care, but I'm like, right. I'm healthy baby. I'm healthy. And so I'm like, my birth wasn't traumatic. Like it was great. Mm -hmm. And then I started to think like, if I admit that my birth experience was traumatic, does that make me less of a mom? Like that was something right. I struggled with. And so I was just like, what if I do admit that this was a traumatic birth experience, but that doesn't necessarily say who I am as a mom. And so mm -hmm. it took me a while to like kind of grapple with this information of, I had a, a traumatic experience, but it doesn't make me any less of a woman or of a mom. And I think for the longest time, I was terrified of admitting the trauma because in my mind, it would make me less of a good parent. And so that was a really interesting um, aspect that I really never thought of before. I think that's like more common than we talk about. Like that happens with sexual trauma. It happens with birth trauma. It happens with any kind of abuse where you just suppress it for whatever reason. 
and it like protects you from having to like live with it on a day-to-day basis and it kind of just ends up living somewhere else in your body and then you don't have to think about it till it comes up in your next birth or in a training or when you actually get consent or get education and you're like oh that was horrible (laughs) and this is like uh, the actual standard of care and i think it's super common and we don't talk about it because it's there's like some sort of embarrassment and guilt and you just like hear those words from like your vicious ob in your head and you at some point think that you have to believe it yeah yeah absolutely and i think also with being such a young mom um -hmm. and not having the greatest female role model within my own mother i was terrified to admit any sort of like injustice that i felt during my birth experience or even as a young mom um mm-hmm. because i was of being labeled of you know yeah like and not a mom that was equipped like i you know <laughs> i'm not qualified yeah. for the job and so i literally yeah. it's like almost what like i don't know 12 years it took me to really understand that like you can have a traumatic birth experience but mm-hmm. still be a fucking kick-ass parent like you can still right, be a yeah. bad woman and admit to like having this yep. trauma and i never right. like i never even thought about that until i was in this training where you're doing the training no peer support specialist so okay. um okay all about like my angle of care that I provide that's like trauma informed. And it's really just like Mm -hmm. understanding people as who they are and not from like their experiences and what they've been through, but I'm just, you know, taking that equation out of the picture. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It took me that long to realize like I had a traumatic birth experience, but I'm not any less of a woman because of it. And it's not talked about enough. Um, you know, there's so much neglect and trauma that's happening in the birth field, yes. specifically with hospital births and OBs that nobody's willing to discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever talked about any of this with the people that were in the room with you since it happened? No. Um, so I have since, like, I haven't had communication with my biological mother um, since 2015. Mm-hmm. Same thing with my biological grandmother. Um, them as a pair, they were very, um, you know, my grandmother enabled my mother's drug use and that definitely mm-hmm. took away from mine and my sister's childhood. And so mm-hmm. at a certain point, I did cut ties um, because it's what I needed to do for myself and for right, my family. Yeah. I have three kids. And my husband and there just wasn't room for that <laughs> bullshit any longer yes I just, I had there's no room yeah no like i have to you know i have to grow up and i have to admit that a lot of my you know youth and childhood was fairly traumatic and i didn't want that for my kids and so it's one of those things where you know if you want to end the cycle you have to step up and make some really hard choices and so for mm-hmm. me that was something that i did So I never got the opportunity to really discuss my birth experience with either my mother or my grandmother. Um, Yeah. My sister was there and we haven't necessarily talked about it, but she, I feel like is also 
I don't want to say easily triggered, but talking about our biological mother together isn't an easy thing for either one of us to do. Yeah, um, that's understandable. Lot, you know, there's a lot that needs to be worked through, I think, when it comes to her. And mm-hmm. so I haven't brought it up to her. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy how much of it goes on and people don't even know about it. Or people are afraid yeah. to identify that that was a traumatic experience. Right. I think another contributing factor as I hear your story is just the fact that you didn't have the support that gave you more of a voice or advocated for a voice and so often we don't have family member to do that or we can't afford a doula or don't know about doulas or um, there's like so many different things where people just like can't access support and that causes that causes trauma in itself and probably contributes to like that mother wound. Yeah. It leads, it like creates the perfect recipe for trauma to happen and for it to go undiagnosed and unnoticed for years and years and years and years and years. And honestly, that's a huge reason why I got into the birth work that I am now. Um, Mm -hmm. I have three daughters now and, you know, growing up, I didn't have that support from my mom. And I didn't want my girls to experience this. I want my girls to know their reproductive rights. I want them to know that, you know, you're allowed to stand up and say, fuck you. If you don't agree with something, if it doesn't align with you and your beliefs in your fucking body, you don't have to do it. And no end of the day, like that's the lesson I want my girls to know the most is Mm -hmm. just because someone a little bit higher than you says you have to do something does not mean you have to follow through with it. Yeah, you know, higher in like the hierarchical aspect that doesn't truly exist, but a society we've for some reason made it exist to the point where like a group of grown women in a hospital let something really traumatic happen to you because this OB in everybody's mind's eye is like this hierarchical figure who is in charge of everything, including your body. It's, it's insane. So what would, what advice would you give a 17 year old? Like what advice would you give yourself? Looking back, if I could give myself anything, um, it would just be to have the audacity to stand up for myself a little bit more. And don't get me wrong. Like I was an incredibly headstrong teenager. I was very much. I was very much fuck the system. But when it came to something that I didn't know anything about, and I had my grandmother, whom at the time I really admired, and I looked up to her, and she was persuading me into this really medicalized birth experience. Mm -hmm. I should have stuck with my gut, and I I should have fought a little bit harder like I had in other aspects of my life. So I don't know. I guess if anything, it would just say, like, don't bend your will so easily, you know, like really kind of stick to your guns about the things that you want and the things that you feel really align with you. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, if there is another young teen mom out there who by chance is listening to this, like, do yourself a favor. 
research a little bit, just a little bit, like hospital guidelines, like patient rights. Like if you're going to have a hospital birth, like just know what your rights are. Like just because you're in this system doesn't mean your say goes completely out the window. You can still stick up for yourself. And that was something I wish I would have known. Yeah. Do you think your grandma and your mom would have allowed that? Like, or would you have had to have, I don't know, like left their care essentially to do it? Do you think that if you would have, you know, kicked and fought for a midwife that they would have actually supported it? No, my mom might have, my mom might have, um, my grandmother would not have (laughs) and my mom if she were to have supported that um i could see my grandmother being very well you guys don't know any better you guys aren't educated enough like this is a naive decision um (laughs) i could very much see that so no i don't think i would have been supported i don't well i don't yeah. And another reason my grandmother was like pushing for the OB is <laughs> I remember we were at Chili's and I was newly pregnant <laughs> and she referred to me as having a high risk pregnancy just solely based off my age. Interesting. <laughs> I was like, I don't think, I don't think that makes me high risk. Like if we're talking no. biologically speaking, and if we go back not at 17 no yeah everybody was pregnant at 17 yeah yeah yes biologically you know like Mm -hmm. my body was like i don't want to say in its prime because i was obviously incredibly young but my body was prepared for it you know and so if anything your body was your body was capable but maybe emotionally it wasn't ready and that's that's where your trauma lives now because you weren't supported emotionally and mentally and instead all they thought about was your body and high risk and labeling you yeah yeah and there was no indicators of anything with myself being high risk right and so yeah i don't know it was incredibly frustrating it was incredibly discouraging i will tell you it took me eight years (laughs) to have another baby And part of that was because obviously I did start very young. Another part of it is I was terrified for an OB experience. Um, When I did, you know, get pregnant was my second and neither Mm -hmm. my mother nor my um, grandmother were in the picture. And I just remember feeling like this massive weight was lifted on my, like off my shoulders. And I could have the birth experience that I wanted. And so yeah. the first thing I told my husband is I want a midwife. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and my first prenatal appointment with that midwife, I was like, do you require an enema? And she was like, <laughs> I was like, no. An enema. And she's like, no, what are you talking about? And yeah. so I go into like previous birth experience and she's like, oh my God, no. You don't have to do anything you don't want to. And I was like, mm-hmm. holy shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've made it. I have an yeah. amazing supportive midwife who is not going to force anything on me. And so, yeah, it was pretty funny. 
my husband was in the room with us and I think he laughed at my enema question. But I'm telling you that it's, stuff sticks it's with funny, you. But it's funny, but it's so sad. It's so, it's so sad that you were forced to do that. But it's like, we're laughing because it's that crazy. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. Like it truly does not make any sense at all. And I've, I honestly have never even heard anybody requiring that. And so I'm like, I'm shocked. And so like my body's reaction is to like laugh because I'm like, that can't be real but it's like imagine how many other people she's done that to and if she's still practicing she's probably still doing that which is like it's it's gonna cause a lot of problems for a lot of people dehumanizing such a human experience yeah. and i don't know yeah i don't know what was more traumatic like my epidural running out and her just being like this is the consequence of your actions and this is what you get or roll over it's time for your enema and i'm like wait what <laughs> i don't want that i don't need that like it's all just terrible yes yes and so <sighs> yeah it was it was crazy for sure and so that's basically the catalyst for why you do birth work and it's the catalyst for why you had good births the for your other two children and so it's like you can look at those as benefits but really nobody should have to go through that yeah absolutely like at the end of the day I know what I don't want my children to experience when it yep. comes to um their birth you know just their reproductive rights and stuff like that like I want them to know that they deserve more and what they're capable of and what their voice can really help them achieve. Um, yeah. And, so and now you is, know what not to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, getting into birth work for me was definitely, I got into birth work um, shortly after my third baby um, anatomy scan. So literally after yeah. they're like, congratulations, it's a girl. And I was like, oh my God, three girls. Like, what am I doing? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, oh, I guess I really got to step it up with this, like, you know, female rights and, and reproductive yes. justice. And I was like, this is what I need to do. And so that's definitely yeah. how I got into it was just knowing that I'm going to be raising three beautiful girls in such a fucked up world to be honest yep. and I want them yep. to know that their voice can empower them and that they're capable of having you know desired birth experiences or just you know reproductive experiences like you mm -hmm. know miscarriages abortions births like you have say of your body and I support right. you in that a thousand percent whatever whatever it is that you truly want and that's yeah. something I didn't have. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was awesome. Well, so if you could talk to that OB, and if she's listening, what would you say to her specifically? Oh, my God. I feel like that's a really loaded question. And just question. let it fly. <laughs> just let it fly. Just pay it um, like it is. Ah, oh, fuck. I don't even know. Just, I don't know. Um, 
like why why do that to someone you like if you could clearly see mind you my mom would come to my prenatal appointments and she had like the sores on her face and like her drug use was it was incredibly clear and so my question would be to her is like if you saw this little girl at 17 pregnant coming into your appointments and with her mom in tow who's like completely fucking wrecked by meth like why would you add any additional trauma to that woman like why what did that make you feel good is it because Mm -hmm. as a christian or catholic woman you felt like that made you superior to like demoralize me if anything if i came across that in my journey as a birth worker i would want to show that little girl unconditional love and support in an incredibly Mm -hmm. fucking safe space to to let she didn't have at home yeah yeah like i would incorporate that into my birth work with her if she had um you know trauma going on at home all it takes is just a question like what can i do for you today like how are you feeling outside of this pregnancy what's it like for you how are you feeling today what can i do to help you today and i never once got that i'm like why (laughs) why why add to the why add to the bullshit i was already experiencing and who knows maybe she does require like that enema with everybody and maybe i'm not the only one that had the epidural run out and she was like so fucking what but maybe i was maybe she only does that to young moms or maybe she only does that to moms that she sees that are you know maybe have like drug problems themselves or marginalized Mm -hmm. you know members of our community like maybe that does happen and if that does happen that's way more fucked up than just you know treating everybody like that right so i don't know i guess my thing was why like why would you do it you could already see i was obviously going through some shit why add to Mm -hmm. it yeah yeah i think that's really powerful you're gonna make me cry (laughs) oh please don't cry (laughs) i don't know (laughs) Yeah, it's that's what OBs need to hear. They need to hear, and I hope that um, any provider, including midwives, because there are problematic midwives, I hope they hear this story and other stories like it and learn from it and do better. Like, just do better. Absolutely. If anything, at the end of the day, everyone learns from their, everyone should learn from their mistakes. Like, Fucking step mm-hmm. it up. If this is something you've done as a yes. care provider, just know that like maybe you didn't realize at the time from a patient's point of view that it was traumatic. But obviously, hearing my side of the story, you do see that it was traumatic and fucking step it up a bit. <laughs> maybe don't require that right. enema. Yeah. Maybe if someone says their girl's running out and they can feel their vagina tearing, please fucking listen listen be like oh my gosh let's you know let's get the epidural i don't know right learn how to listen yeah learn how to listen just because just because you're in a little bit higher position than your patient or your client doesn't mean that you know ultimately what's best it's their body right well thank you emily Thanks for sharing your story so that other people can hear it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me a safe space (laughs) to debrief it. Um, 
outside of that one training, I've never really spoke about it. And so, yeah, I do have like a huge thing for me and in my practice as a birth worker is trauma-informed care. And a lot of it does stem um, not only from my first birth experience, but just growing up my childhood, um, you know, mm-hmm. it took me a long time to even identify that what I had experienced was trauma when it came to that birth. And yeah. so thank you for giving me the, the space to express that and talk about it and get it out there and let other people know that if they're also experiencing or have experienced something like this that it's okay to admit to a traumatic birth experience because it doesn't make you any less of a woman or a mother or anything yes perfect couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) thank you so much i appreciate you for having me of course Thanks for listening to today's episode on the True Crime Birth Podcast. Stay tuned every other Friday for the next episode. If you have a tragic birth story to share, don't hesitate to reach out and schedule an episode.